And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning, Andrew. Draft season is upon us. Good morning. It is. We're fully engaged as the cat. You know, I hate that Giannis went down. Like that's a whole other story. But could the Bucks be the least inspiring Eastern Conference Finals team and potential Finals team and potential champion ever? Uh. Yeah, and I saw Matt Moore. He was he was defending the Bucks to an ext- violent, violently defending the Bucks last night, saying that oh, we've had teams like championship teams who have struggled in the past. As an example, the that Celtics team, which you know went to seven sure. the first two rounds and then sure. went to six, but it feels different. And I, I'm I'm setting aside the the Giannis injury thing, like just the. Obviously, they did great in the first round, but that second round series against the Nets and now this series against the Hawks. And it's because they're just missing shots. Like, that's why it looks so ugly. Somebody had an awesome stat last night, and I wish I could find it. But it was like the number of times that they have shot more than 33s in a game while shooting under 30%. That's Keith Parrish. That's Keith Parrish. Fast break, break, baby. Oh, that's that's who it was. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's just like absurd because that, that... Makes sense why they look so bad. Here it is. Yeah. The Bucks now have six games this postseason, attempting at least 33 pointers and making 25% or less of them. No team has ever done that more than three times in one postseason. <laughs> They've done lo- it six. Keith loves that stat. He, he saw them do it once and he's been like, I can't believe they did that. And like they keep doing it. And I think that he gets like a kind of some sick energy from seeing them do it more because he's like well, so excited to tweet it. They're perhaps the best example of the whole idea of. Teams are shooting more threes, and so there's going to be more variance. Yeah. Like, you're going to have these good teams who just have bad shooting nights. I mean, Houston was, like, the big first example when they missed 27 threes in a row. But now it's become, like, so commonplace. If you were a team who shoots a lot of three-pointers, and the Clippers were like this, too, in that first-round series against Dallas, like, you're going to have games where you just suck, where you you hit, like, 20% of your shots – and it just looks miserable. And the Bucks have been like the greatest example ever of that because they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how unwatchable they are from night to night. Yeah, when they're missing their shots, it's just like this is brutal. Like if you were to sit somebody down that had never watched the NBA before and say, this is professional basketball, they'd be like, wow, basketball must be the hardest sport in the history of man because <laughs> they make it feel so <laughs> difficult. Just to put the ball in the hoop. They make it just, it's just excruciating to watch. And now we have the potential of a game five, a pivotal game Ooh. five without Giannis <laughs> and potentially without Trey. Uh, do we know Giannis is out? 
Uh, no, we do not. We don't know anything about yeah. either of them. Yeah, I didn't think so. I think Trey's going to try to come back from what people are saying. I'd be surprised yeah, I, if he did I, not play. Yeah, that would be that'd be less. I, I would be shocked if Giannis came back next game. I would too. But come on, Bucks, get it together. You have two. You have one All Star on your team still. You have actually a, not. He wasn't he not an All Star this year. Well, whatever. Like he's been he an All Star. Passed over Andrew. <laughs> we have two former All Stars on your team still. <laughs> oh, that's very generous to Drew. That was like 2014. Whatever, man. He still made it. He still made it. Is anybody on the anybody else on the Hawks made it? No. Uh, no. And they're in the uh, East too. Actually, they have three because what? Brooke Lopez made an All Star game. Oh, there you go. Three. Yeah. What are we doing? Why? Why do we make this so difficult? Why is this so painful? Gosh, it is. It is just some of the worst playoff basketball ever. And, you know, shouts to the Hawks for showing up and just putting it to them. Like, that made me really glad. With how poorly the Bucks played, it made me glad that the Hawks were just like, no, we're not going to let you just waltz in here and take this game. Like, this is, this is going to be a war. And I'm really glad to see that. I was glad to see them step up. It was great to see Trey on the sidelines in his hoodie and just enjoying his, his night there. You know, good on the Hawks, man. Don't do not let the Bucks do this. Is kind of how I feel. I mean, that's <laughs> that's my stance right now. Is don't let the Bucks get away with this. I mean, they just me they crazy. keep they keep getting away with it. I know, I know. Which, I mean, what's what's what it feels like is going to happen is that the Bucks will win. They'll go to the finals and lose, and because they made it to the finals, they'll be like, well, we got to keep Bud. And then next year they're going to come back. More teams are going to be healthy again, and then they're just going to get like demolished in the second round or something. Yeah, yeah, it's insanity, man. It's absolute but insanity. The Hawks have a legit shot now, legit. Especially, obviously, if Trey comes back. Like, I think they'd yeah. be the favorite if you knew that Trey was playing these next couple games. I know, and if he's at full strength. Has anyone gotten a bone bruise at something that looked like nothing like, like that before? <laughs> like it just, I I was surprised it was a bone bruise. I was surprised that he was hurt at all. Like I just, it just didn't look like a whole lot. Maybe I missed, missed it. But to me, it just, Man. it was kind of a weird one. These playoffs, what, the, Giannis's injury was like, it, it was like my breaking point. Yeah, for these playoffs, it's like yeah. what, what even am I watching at this point? I know, and it's it's not even about for me like adding an asterisk or whatever. Like whoever wins this is going to deserve it in the sense that they survived the longest, literally survived, didn't get injured, and made it this far. There's they still had to beat who was in front of them. It's just about like my enjoyment as a fan. Like every star that falls, I'm moving further and further away from like enjoying the product that I'm watching. Yeah, and it's it's not to hate on any of the guys who are playing. They're obviously all playing playoff basketball. They're trying as hard as they can. But man, watch if if we have to watch a game five without Giannis or Trey. Oh my gosh! In I the mean, wet in the Eastern Conference Finals. At least we had. I was like holding on to the hope that we'd at least have like a health, relatively healthy Bucks and relatively healthy Suns teams. You know. I mean that's yeah. I was like, okay, if that's what we get, that's okay. 
Like that's those are two very good teams. Teams that teams that you would you know select. You wouldn't say it's crazy that they go to the finals. Uh, but if we don't get a healthy Giannis, it's just a disaster. And if yeah, it, man. if freaking <laughs> Reggie Jackson and Paul George make it to the finals and they get to play the Giannisless Bucks. <laughs> I will, I will put the most giant asterisks on this whole thing. Uh, I there's a chance we're headed that way because the Clippers are. You they got to give them credit. They don't stop. I will make T-shirts that just has an asterisk over the NBA symbol. Oh, that would be if if I have to like take Reggie Jackson really seriously. Like I've I've already gone so far with him, and now I'm having to be like, could he win Finals MVP? <laughs> That would be like the next conversation. That's the next bridge to cross with well, Reggie Jackson. You had the you had the Slam and Jam uh, trivia question for Saturday about who's like who had the made sec- the most threes. Yeah, who had the, made the second most threes. And yeah. my goodness, it's yeah, Reggie he, Jackson. He might end up being the all time leader by the by the time this is over, <laughs> if they make it to the finals. <laughs> oh man. What a, I mean, huge credit to him. He's going to make some serious cash this summer, yes? Yes, but like, if, if it's any team other than the Clippers, like if any team is giving him that giant contract wanting to do SPG starting point guard yeah. again, I, I'd be, that, that doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> No. What about the Knicks? You think the Knicks could talk themselves into it? Oh man, yeah, totally. You think they'd be like, "Yeah, we'll give you four years or three years, forty-five million or something." Yeah, I could totally see that. Which is not cra- like that's not insane. If it was like three years, eighty, or four years, eighty, or something like that. Well, how about this? Who who do you think will get more money, Reggie Jackson or Dennis Schroeder, who just came out and said that he wanted a hundred to a hundred and twenty million dollars this summer? The only way that happens is if the NBA extends every everything back to like ten year contracts. Dennis, is, is there a chance that Reggie Jackson gets a bigger contract than Dennis Schroeder this summer? There is absolutely a chance. He's been very good, and it's he's been so good from three that if you can. If if it's projectable, if you look at it and say, yes, Reggie Jackson is going to be this kind of three-point shooter, like a 40-42% three-point shooter who can shoot off the dribble, off the catch, plays well with others, is fiery, has long... I mean, he's got so crazy long arms. That's why the Thunder wanted him, that he had this type of upside. Then it should be Reggie Jackson. It absolutely should be because... And, may, and this could be a major outlier year, and this is like... <laughs> Just like regret on a platter for whoever takes him. But I don't know, man. I think it should be Reggie just the way that he's played. And Dennis, like with the attitude stuff, with everything. I mean, I think Dennis is still the better player overall. But man, what a what an what a postseason for Thunder backup point guards, right? Yeah, and I should say, uh Going to the three-point record, there's no chance. <laughs> I totally forgot about Steph Curry, who hit 98, and Clay Thompson, who hit 98 in a playoff run. That's a lot. So uh, Reggie's got a while to get there. He's at 56, 
you know, he could have he could have a 10 three-pointer game. 98. <laughs> 98. He's like 40 away. Oh, Reggie Jackson hit 23s by himself <laughs> yeah. in game six. Oh boy, this is this is wild. And we're gonna get some weird outlier champion this year, is what it feels like. Unless it's the Suns or Bucks, and then you could say, like, okay, like legitimately good teams, but if it's the Clippers without Kawhi, or if it if somehow the Hawks pull this <laughs> off one, like I will have to I'll have to my I might have to like make a, a Hawks pod myself, like a local Atlanta based Hawks pod, just like apolog- yeah. apologizing for a year straight, like a daily apology pod. Well, I mean, one of the fascinating things that's going to happen is, and, and Reggie Jackson is part of this, is who's going to overreact to what we're seeing right now? Like yeah. who, who's going to benefit from it? Who's going to like screw up their future because of it? Um, cause all these teams that are in this final four, I mean, obviously they feel amazing. They yeah. feel awesome, but it's like, how real is this? And when it comes to these decisions about running it back, you know, I still think the Suns are do everything they can to resign CP3. Mm-hmm. I still think the Clippers will do everything they can to resign Kawhi, who's not even a part of this run. Um, but you just wonder what is going to end up being the big overreaction. Cause there's going to be something, I mean, we were over- overreact to something in every playoffs, yeah. So what's it going to be this year? I think there could be multiple overreactions. It, when when is a campaign up for a contract? Is that this summer? I'm gonna go look at his contract real yeah, quick. Look at I don't, I have no idea. Oh yes, he he just has 1.9 this year. Nothing after it. Wow. Okay. Who gets paid more? Campaign Reggie Jackson or Dennis Schroeder? Like rank them. Oh, former I, Thunder I, backup point guards, all of them. <laughs> I mean, at this point, with Reggie shooting, I mean, if you're the Lakers, wouldn't you rather have Reggie shooting over Dennis Schroeder? You would think. I think I so. I think it might be Reggie Jackson, and then Schroeder, and then Campaign, because Campaign, even in this great run, he's he's been a backup point guard, and I still think you see some of the flaws when he has when he's given you know more. Uh, more things to do. So yep. I don't think a team would necessarily sign him to be their starting point guard, mm-hmm. but he, he could make, I don't know, like couldn't he get like 8 million a year? Maybe that does. That doesn't seem crazy. No, I don't, that's not crazy. That's certainly not crazy to me. Or like a mid-level or something for a team could. that really needs a guard. Yeah. Totally possible. Is my video still gone? Uh, y- You come back. You're, you're there now. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what's going on. I, could sh- could could the uh, Bulls bring him back? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Who I said that they knew after the second practice he couldn't play in the NBA? What if they uh, reverse that decision? Yeah, and they're like, they're like tail between their legs, come back. <laughs> yeah, a good on the Thunder for saying like we still believe in Cameron Payne after they traded him. <laughs> we still believe one day that one day Cameron Payne could be a good player. Oh, geez. All right, let's go to the stream, and then we're going to talk draft. We're talking draft until 10 o'clock. We have Hoops Talk 69 broadcasting from the moon. We have Buster Nakamoto, who is in Mobtown, Alabama. We have Twice God telling me I have no camera. We have Vishal George. We have 
Anaruda, who's in India. Thanks for joining. We have Tyler Field saying, what's up? We have Falcon Denmark. Let's see. Dort wants to know, where's Hank? I wish it was Lou Dort, who's just like the biggest <laughs> Hank fan ever. That would be the best. Uh, let's see. Ben underscore is with us. We have Crimson King here. We have mm, Talis in Brazil. Thanks for joining. Lawrence Field, Miguel Devella. We have Sam Haney in Phoenix. I think Suns fans are feeling feeling the pressure right now, Al. Suns fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would be terrified right yeah. now. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, Crimson King, Trey Brown is in Brooklyn. What's up? We have Jake uh, Arendt. And he said, he said more like <laughs> Milwaukee sucks. Um, Chad Scott. <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, the Fluky in Germany. Dylan Cutts says first live pod from my new house. Hey, congrats. Congrats. Caleb McRae says hello from Draft Hell. <laughs> Sorry, man. Daniel Tomaso, Tomasi says from the UK says Wasan boys. Uh uh, Joel Angel, Tyler Carroll. Hope everybody's doing great. And uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we're back from that quick break. Alex, the draft is, we're a month away from the <laughs> yeah, it's so long. NBA draft. The month countdown begins, but oh. there's... There's going to be so much scuttle around this particular oh. draft, I feel like. And there's there's so many different outcomes because I, I think Kate is probably going number one. Uh, and then after that, I don't think that we really have any clue. Yeah. So I, I told you I wasn't going to start diving into the draft until I knew our pick because I didn't want to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. And so over the last week, I've obviously started and bi- first big takeaways. One, I really wish we had had a top four pick <laughs> because yeah. and, it's, and it's less to do about ceiling, because I, I think even with Jonathan Kaminga, someone who I've been lukewarm on, I, mm-hmm. I understand the ceiling argument, yeah. but it comes down to the floor like those top four guys. I just feel like their floors are so much higher than anyone beyond them in combination with a high ceiling. Yeah. And you would just feel so much more relaxed if you knew you were getting one of those top four guys, which by the way, we know that that's probably going to be wrong. Like one of those top four guys isn't going to pan out at least, but that's the way it feels right now. Yeah. Watch, watching all of their, their highlights. The other thing 
My other big takeaway is that I don't know if this is just because this is the first draft in a while that the Thunder have had like real draft capital. Yeah. I mean, because even going back to the Sabonis draft, that was probably the last time we had a, a pick this high. That we didn't know yeah. about it until you know very late in the game, so we weren't really thinking about it that way. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just because we had these picks, but this draft feels so deep, mm-hmm. and and nothing like exemplifies that more than Jonathan Gavoni's most recent mock. Like you look at those top eighteen names, and I would even go beyond that. Mm-hmm. Like there's guys throughout there that I'm like, I, I wouldn't be mad. I, I, I can see the argument for so many of these guys in like let's say the top like twenty ish. Yeah, I was gonna say, like you get to like in his top twenty, like Sharif Cooper at nineteen, wouldn't be mad about Sharif Cooper being on the Thunder. And Jared Butler. Cool. Great. Bring him on. Yeah. And even beyond that, like Zaire Williams at twenty four, Cam Thomas at twenty five. Trey yeah, Mann, Cam. who I know some people like at 23. I don't think he'd be a good fit for the Thunder. But no. there's just names throughout here. And really, it's the names from like 7 through 18. Like yeah. the fact that, and I do not think this is going to happen, but the fact that you could even come up with a mock where Moses Moody drops to 18 is completely absurd to me. And that would, I mean, he was a guy over this past week where I was like legitimately watching film thinking, would I be willing to take him at six? And the idea that there is a scenario where he could drop to 18. Same thing with Sengun. Another guy I was, I was like paying super close attention to. But the sh, Shangun. Shangun? Shangun. Shangun. Yeah. But then you look at this mock and it's like, well, yeah, I could see like somebody falling in love with Kai Jones or like, yeah, I do think Josh Giddy is going to go where he's going or Franz Mm -hmm. Wagner or Jalen Johnson. Like, this mock isn't insane. It's not like he has some crazy names between those picks. Yeah. So yeah, whoever definitely. falls to 16 and 18, if they do end up keeping those picks, I think we're going to be pretty pumped. I would be pumped if this was the draft, because this is what Jonathan Gavoni has on here. If you're not subscribed to ESPN plus, and also if you don't read Reddit, like <laughs> this is here's, here's what they ended up with. They, Jonathan Kaminga at six, uh, Shengun at 16 and Moses Moody at 18. I'd be like, all right, home run. Great. Everybody oh, go home. Like we've done it because you have your like crazy high upswing, upside swing with Kaminga and Shengun really. I mean, and I hope that they would just not sign any other centers and they just play him full time and you just allow just just a, a way to get to the basket on every possession for the Thunder <laughs> or for the opposing team and you just like that allows you to really if you play he and Kaminga, you're not good at all next year. And like all you and you <laughs> play Shangun he and, and Kaminga? Yeah. Shangun, yeah. Kaminga, and Poku. Like you play those three all season, like 30 minutes a night, which is what I would almost demand from the Thunder. Like that allows like that allows you one to just develop those guys all season you get to kind of figure out what you have and you are probably the six, like you have the six best odds probably going into the draft next year, you know? I yeah. Mean, that's, that, I mean, Shengun is one of those guys I was looking at him. Like, is he someone I would consider at six, but like once you get to 16, it's like, Oh, absolutely. I would. Oh, like, it's, it's no question. I would not consider him at six. I think I said this on, 
the Thunder After Dark episode, I would throw up in my mouth if they took him at six a little bit because it the, just because of the of the offensive concerns. Uh, it's just like uh, the everything concerns that I have with him. The everything concerns. Oh no, I'm concerned that like he is, and the thing about it, like you can compare him to Cantor, and I did a little bit, but like he's so much faster, so much more athletic. He can do so many, so much more than Cantor ever could, but. Like he's his best skill is still a back to the basket score. For sure, right now it definitely is. Though with his one, how much he gets to the free throw line and his free throw percentage, and you just watch his form in some of these clips, like you feel think, pretty good that he's going to develop a shot. I, I do, I do. I think it's translatable. However, does it always translate? No, and. He's a, he could end up being, and he could transform himself into something very different, which I think is very possible because he'll be the one of the youngest guys in the draft. He can transform himself into like a mid-range or three-point like pick and pop. He can definitely be a pick and roll guy. He can definitely score on the block and mismatches, all that, which is which is great. Um, but I would just be, I'm concerned that perhaps he is just a miss like matchup based big you know yeah for sure and those three guys Kaminga, Shangun, and Moody three of the youngest in the draft I mean Moody's yeah. the oldest and he just turned 19 just turned 19 May. gosh I love Moses Moody so much I, I do too and I don't I, understand him at 18 I, I don't understand him at 18 no in fact if I can make my second prediction because I've made uh, uh, other predictions yeah. I think the Two guys beyond Barnes and Kuminga who will be gone by pick eight, so that's Orlando, are yeah. going to be Booknight and Moody. Because I think both of those players make sense for both Golden State and Orlando. I mean, Golden State, how could they not take Moody? Like, you can slot him in right now that's with Steph and Clay. You All the things that people say they're worried about with Moody, he's not even going to have to do. He's literally just going to be a really good wing defender and make open threes in his yeah. first year. That's all they would need him to do. Yeah. You worry about his athleticism a little bit. And if I'm the Davion Mitchell stuff, I would certainly consider him with golden state. See, I don't, I don't get that at all. Like why he's more, re he's more ready made to play in the league next year. He is, Outside of Jalen Suggs, he's like the most competitive guy in the draft. Um, he will be able to defend lots of guys in the league because of how strong he is. Uh, he can make shots. And I think, I also think that if the players have any say, which I think they will, and they kind of indicated this, if, if Steph and Draymond and Clay have any say as to who it's going to be, uh, I think they're going to take Davion Mitchell. <laughs> I, I really do. I really think that would be a mistake because you're basically betting that his year from three last year is real, even yeah. though sure. his free throw percentage didn't improve at all. He he shot 64% from the line last year. Yeah. And if he doesn't shoot, what is he? I know. I Yeah, I, I totally get that argument. And so why not go with Moses Moody, who, by the way, had a higher free throw attempt rate than almost anyone 
that we're talking about at the top, like higher than Cade Cunningham, higher than Jalen Green. People talk about him as like, he's just a three and D. He got to the line more than all those guys. He got to the line more than Scotty Barnes, more than Kaminga, and he shot over 80% from the line. Like, how do you not take that guy? One of the most efficient players in the mid-range in college basketball. We should take him. I love him. I absolutely love him. I would trade I would trade 16 and 18 to trade up to, to to 12 or 9 to get him. Yeah, if he fell to 9, I would absolutely do that. Yeah, I would I would do it. I wouldn't I don't know. To me, he's the guy that's falling in these mocks that I just it's cuz he you know who he reminds me not necessarily like the same player, but just in terms of the impact, like getting someone like Mikael Bridges on a team like filling that role on a championship team. I mm-hmm. I just I can see his role on a championship team so much more clearly than all of these other guys beyond four. Yeah. Yeah, I I I I don't I I'm having trouble grasping what people don't like about him. I mean, he they say that, you know, th- there's athleticism questions or he does not finish well. I mean, you look at some of his drives, um, you know, he has terrible drives where he just like seems out of control and it doesn't really seem like he's yeah. not a smooth player. On the other hand, he's willing to do it and he got to the line a ton. So he's pretty good at drawing fouls. Um, yeah. I don't know, I just, especially with the measurables that came out. I mean, biggest positive wingspan in the draft. Yeah. I, I don't see how Golden State can pass him up at seven. And that's why I think Book Knight and Moody are going to go seven, eight in some order. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, we've already seen with Moody at Montverde that when he transferred there, he took a giant step back to play for that team. His senior season, he averaged the least amount of points for his high school career so he could play for that team. Yeah. You know, so like, and there's not, I don't think there's a lot of guys that are going to go this high in the draft that would have said, sure, I'll I'll score 11 instead of 18 points per game so that we can have this undefeated season, you know, and it's really cool that he played with Scotty Barnes and, um, I don't know, man. I think it's, I think it's very interesting. I'd be more excited if it were Scotty at six. Um, Oh, he also played Caden Cunningham was on that team too, which is a ridiculous high school team. I'd probably be a little bit more excited if it were Barnes, Moody and Shangun at this point, just because of the floor concerns, like you said, you'd feel a little bit more secure. Yeah. But the ce- the ceiling with Kaminga is ju- is different than with Barnes, just because of the scoring stuff. It is, and uh, I, I'm I'm gradually coming around on Kaminga. I actually watched a really funny YouTube video last night. This guy with like the thickest Southern accent, only talking about Kaminga's background, like wh- how he grew up in the Congo. And it yeah. was like this very like, it, I mean, it's a really cool story. He basically yeah, left his family at age 13 to come to America by himself to start developing as a as an NBA prospect. Yeah. Um, but the guy's voice just like really cracks me up. So that, that started to turn me because I'm like, this guy has a, like an amazing story. And I'm starting to listen to SportsFan405 on Twitter a little bit more. Who's, you know, reminding me of the context of the G League bubble. Which I do think is true. Dude, I, I hate that Ignite program. Like, <laughs> after watching so much of them, I just absolutely despise it. Well, and that's why like when people bring up what Brian Shaw said, it's like, dude, 
this guy wants this to be this program to be a success. He, he ben- has to. He benefits if Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga get taken super high yes. in this draft. Yes. In the same way that like any college coach benefits if their guys get taken early. I mean, it's a Absolutely. benefit when Calipari gets to be on the draft telecast every single year. Dude. Like that's the biggest recruiting tool ever. That guys see like, oh wow, he turns guys into NBA stars. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's. Yeah, I I hate that program. I don't and like we knew Brian Shaw wasn't a great coach at the NBA level. Like it's just a weird hire to me. Yeah. Why why wouldn't you go find a G League coach that's like done really well and say, "Hey, we're basically promoting you to the G League Ignite team." And all you care about is development, all you care about is coaching. Like I just I don't believe that that's I think they just wanted an NBA player name there with Brian Shaw. Yeah. I mean, if you could, and obviously they couldn't get Mark Degnall, but if you get somebody like, like Mark, who just like wakes up thinking about development every single day, like that's who you need for that program. And I know they had a limited amount of time before the G League bubble started to play together and all that, but still you get through like half of their games and you're like, Oh my gosh, they don't run anything. They don't require anybody to get down in a defensive stance. They don't get down in a defensive stance. They're not they're it is basically an all-star game, every game with them. It's who can show out, who's gonna give me the highlight block or the highlight step back three or the highlight dunk. I mean, that's that's what it was. And you could see Jalen Green like getting better, but I could you could also see like this is not a good environment for Jonathan Kaminga. Well, like this, as, is, this is not helping him. As a result of that, what else can you really look at beyond his shooting? And if he's not shooting the ball well in those games, like you're not seeing a ton else because of all those things yeah. you just said. And so watching him just like clank jumper after jumper, although I will say <laughs> so many of his jumpers hit the back of the rim, which yeah. I guess is a good thing because it's consistent in some way. Sure. <laughs> like, well... I don't. I don't know. I just think that after like missing like five defensive rotations in a row, like we saw what happened when Thunder players did that, right? Like Degnault would like get after them, or or whenever they were just doing anything wrong, like Mark would get after him, and they respected him and they respected that about him. I just you just never really saw that. Like those guys could pretty much do whatever they wanted. Yeah, and it drove me crazy, and that's also why, like, I have hope about Kaminga, especially on the Thunder, where not only do they prioritize development, but they, like, they demand like excellence from you on a daily basis. Like, they demanded excellence from Poku all season because the one they knew they that he had it in him, and I think that Kaminga has that in him as well, uh, and I think that would be a really good thing for him. I think Barnes, like Barnes, already kind of demands that from himself a little bit, and the all, the question will always be: Can he develop like a consistent jumper or any jumper at all? Any sort of out, you know anything outside the paint? Can he develop that? And I think they will give that their best shot. Uh, but I still just think that if coming, I don't, and there's a chance that there that Kaminga doesn't have it in him that he's not going to be a great pro like that is certainly and, and that may be the most likely outcome with Jonathan Kaminga actually but if there's to me if there's 
there's probably very few destinations that I would feel comfortable with him going and be like, okay, yes, he'll make it. Like Toronto, like I would be like, okay, yeah, I think he'll make it there. Uh, Oklahoma City, yeah, I think he'll make it there. If he somehow got to the Spurs, who have done a really good job developing all these kind of lower-level lottery wings, like, yeah, heck yeah. Like, I think he'll do great there, you know. But if if it's the Kings or if it's the Magic, I'm just like, oh, boy. Like, we may be in for Jonathan Kaminga bus stories. And that's why, as dumb as it sounds, like, watching, like, learning more about his background actually made me feel so much more positive about him because it's not like he's one of these prospects who comes from overseas who like didn't pick up a basketball till he was 16 or something. and just has like all this raw talent. He's not Kai Jones. Yeah. He's not Kai Jones. He's been yeah. playing basketball since he was really young and would go out of his way. Like he, in, in some interview, like he had to travel 45 minutes just to be able to find a gym mm-hmm. and then was walking home from that. And then to come over at age 13 and at some point he was the number one prospect in this class, in this high school mm-hmm. class, mm-hmm. like to get to that point, you have to have so much drive and motivation yeah. to become that. And so I, that's the part where I'm starting to buy in on like, regardless of what I saw in the G league bubble, I think I might just believe in him as a person. Yeah. And so maybe I'm more willing to take that risk because it is a home run swing. I mean, of Absolutely. all of those. And the thing about a home run swing it can't be someone with a high floor. Like a home run swing is someone like Poku. Like that's a true home run swing where he could be out of the league in five years, yeah. but there's so much ceiling there. Just all this untapped potential that you just kind of have to do it. If you connect, it's going to be a home run is the kind of thing. Like right. The, what Poku can do as a seven-footer who's skinny and shifty and can shoot and can pass can dribble all that stuff yeah uh let's go through a few scenarios alex about trading back because i do think that it it's not that it doesn't make sense for them to trade back from six i think the dream is that you trade up right you find a a deal with cleveland you know mckelly and i brought up a bunch of ways they could do that you know i think the number one way that makes the most sense from a cleveland perspective is you just say we'll take kevin love into cap space and um, that that to me is like <laughs> that would be like almost the trump card for everything, even with Orlando, like because Orlando can't do that. You just say, "Hey, we'll trade you six, and you want two future first? Great. Do you want the two firsts that are in this draft? Great. Take them, and we'll just take Kevin Love to cap space." And Orlando's like, "Okay, we can give you these other two picks, but we can't take Kevin Love." Um, uh, to me, that's like a big one. Uh. But let's say we get here, and the Thunder don't like, and let's say Kaminga's there, and they don't like him. They think that this is, he is like the bust of the draft, and they would prefer James Booknight, you know, or whoever it is. Uh, which you know, this he's very he's a very intriguing prospect. Uh, McKellie and I are going to cover him soon on Thunder After Dark, so stay tuned for that. But maybe he's their guy. They think he's going to be like the score next to Shea that we've wanted and all of that. Perhaps he's all of that for them. And they know that they can get him at seven or eight or nine, right? Uh, let's just talk about those three teams, right? So let's talk uh, Golden State first. Let's say Golden State wants Kaminga and the Thunder want to trade back. What What would you ask in return from Golden State in order to get that to get that pick. This is where it's so hard because it's like if we didn't have 16 and 18, 
I'd say, oh, I just trade it for seven and fourteen. Like they get what, to move. What if up. you what if you did six and and eighteen for seven and fourteen? I mean, in this scenario where they get to six and they know that they don't want to take that player, then yeah. y- yes, I would do it. Yeah, because then you have a chance. Like if Book Knight's their guy, like you get Book Knight. And then you have like a you have a better chance to get a Moses Moody, and then you keep sixteen, and you can take whoever drops there if it's they've been rumored to like Isaiah Jackson or Sangoon or you know whoever it is that falls there. Right. Orlando, like I don't know, yeah. I don't I don't see that because I'm so confused by what's available for Orlando at five six anyway. Yeah. So it's like I already am wary of the fit with either Scotty Barnes or Kaminga and they're <laughs> like, all I hate, I hate the fit with both of them you want do you want both <laughs> right so like they're already gonna have to make a decision on one maybe yeah. they say like I don't know which one's gonna work out let's just take both <laughs> yeah this but, is like yeah this is the the Suns Marquise Chris Dragon Bender situation yeah like, let's just have the worst shooting team of all time put all these guys on the court with each other Jonathan Isaac they'll be very long very they'll long have, yeah. very rangy Chuma, yeah. Chuma, yeah. Uh, so that one I don't see. Sacramento, if there's a guy they want, the, the problem with Sacramento is they have to be in win-now mode. Like, usually I think it's really dumb to be in win-now mode. And to be honest, like, this is kind of the Atlanta Hawks conversation. But when you've missed the playoffs for 15 straight years, I will admit <laughs> at some point it's like, all right, we got we got to do something <laughs> at this point. Oh gosh! So would like, you try, would you trade Dort for nine? No, I wouldn't. All right, all right, good. That was yeah. a test. That was a test of your loyalty. That was oh, not, wow! That was not a real question. That was Montreal a Mamba, Andrew. No way. <laughs> so even with Sacramento, like they would have to be so confident that whatever guy they're going to get can immediately come in and play. Yeah. I, and I feel like that guy will probably be there at nine because, like. I th- I think Davion Mitchell will fall if that's the guy they want. I think Moses Moody, there's a potential he'd be there. I think he'd fit really well on that team. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't see them moving up. So it's it's honestly hard finding a team just that you think would want to move up. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's just so hard. We we're, we're just operating with like such little information, you know, when it comes to all these teams. Um, I to me Sacramento is more of a trade out candidate than a trade up candidate. Oh, it's it's wild how much their fans want to do nine for sixteen and eighteen, and if if whatever guy ends up being the Thunder's target is there at nine, like I I would do that in a second if I knew yeah. that I could lock that in and get that guy because it it feels so fluid between you know seven and eighteen. You just don't know where guys are going to fall. I guess we'll learn over this next month who who different teams like. One of these guys we're going to hear like some red flag is going to come out and he starts falling or whatever. Yeah, but I, I and I and I get it. I get I I understand where they're coming from because the draft does seem pretty flat until about twenty. Like is like Usman Garuba could be the best player in this whole range. Like he absolutely could, and is he like seventeen? Doesn't seem like a stretch for him to be there. Uh, Sharif Cooper, out of Auburn, could be his like his scoring could translate so well that you're like, how in the world does Sharif Cooper drop to nineteen? 
I get it because then you get you get to swing on two prospects there, and at nine, are you con are you convinced? Are you fully convinced that you're getting somebody that is better than at sixteen? Like I'm not I'm not and and perhaps it's Josh Giddy. Maybe Josh Giddy is the target, and then you just give it all up for him. I would there, but like Jalen Johnson, like Franz Wagner, Corey Kispert. Kai Jones, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's uh, that's like my general sentiment with all of those guys. Uh, I think that Kispert's more of a sure thing than Jalen Johnson or Kai Jones, but still, you just feel like I don't, I have no clue who's going to be the best. And and so if you have guys available to you like a Kai Jones, like a Shangun, like Garuba, like Moody or Cooper, any of those guys are available to you, like. It may be <clears throat> more worthwhile to swing there, um, unless like Keon Johnson is going nine right now to the Kings in this mock on ESPN. <laughs> I, I, uh, you couldn't find somebody that doesn't like him more <laughs> than me. And also that fit with the Kings, like I mean, he's a little undersized, and they already have obviously Buddy Heald, Fox, and Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, he's probably good enough defensively to you know, play in some like three guard lineups. Um, yeah. but that would not be my pick if I were the Kings. Oh, I, I would, I, I think I'm doing a draft grades pod after the draft. Um, and would that, I would get, would that it, get you an F? I'll give it a D. Ooh, maybe D plus just because of the upside. Well, we were texting like Keon needs to go to the Hornets. He just needs to play with LaMelo. Oh, just let yes. him run. He would he would look Keon so good. Oh yeah, I Johnson! forgot about that. <laughs> he would die. I think he might die with that combination of players. <laughs> just the alley oops, like the fast breaks, just the anticipation. If you get out and it's uh if you have Lamelo and you see that Keon leak out, just the anticipation that will be inside Eric Collins during that moment. It'll be awesome. It will, it will be. It'll be almost too. Like it'll just be so glorious. It's to me. It's that's destiny. Please just let him last to eleven and let him. That's that's like one of my only like real draft requests outside of the Thunder is let Keon get to eleven, so that we can just see Lamelo oops to him. You know, and, it, and Miles Bridges. Like if they're both, if Miles and Keon are both running the floor with Lamelo leading the break, it would be pandemonium. It would it, be it'll so be like good. it'll be like during the Thunder games when they have those those group of dunkers come out with the trampoline, <laughs> and they're just going like one after the other, passing it to each other. It would just be yep. that every yeah. play. Oh, it would be so great. It just has to happen. It just has to happen. Yeah. Anywhere else, if he if he went to the Kings or to the magic. I'd just be like, gross. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Keon. It was a good try. <laughs> oh, um, shoot. But yeah, so I, I think trading down the, the golden state one is the one that maybe makes sense. If, if they really like someone at six and you can leverage that because you prefer someone else. Um, yeah. but outside of that, it's just hard to see where a fit would be. Now, there are some teams who don't have a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it would take a lot of non-draft capital to do a trade for six. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I th- that's why those seem kind of unrealistic. So, yeah, I, I think staying put or trading up m- are the most likely at this point. Yeah. 
I think the Golden State one is interesting. If Golden State's like, we need to get Kaminga or Barnes, and the Thunder are like, you can have either one. We like. It's not. It's not unreasonable to think that the Thunder would like somebody else at that spot. Yeah, and would just want to pick up an additional asset. Uh, so I. I mean, to me, you have to be aware that the, everything is on the table with OKC and that they look at everything and know that they would even consider that. Like they traded, they traded back to get Bays, and that was their guy. And it, to me, it's not unreasonable for them to be having those kind of conversations because book Knight could be their guy. Like if Giddy gets enough traction, he could be their guy. At at six, yeah. In which case, you're like, maybe we can trade back and pick up something else from Orlando. So I think it's something to consider as we move. You know, we're a month away from the draft. As we kind of inch closer to it, I think it's something to certainly consider as we get there. Although it's way more exciting to think about draft day and the Thunder, like. Woj getting on the TV and and saying you know like we've we have a tr- we have a trade the Thunder have traded up to three you know I think and then like the our the crowd I anticipate us having would just go nuts yeah <laughs> you know uh, so by the way I'm hoping that by Friday or at least the beginning of next week I will have everything in place for a draft party. Uh, for down to dunk and we were we were going to have a bigger venue if you made it out to the mule uh, or if you ended up at frenzy across the street you know we appreciate you guys coming we will have another one and we'll have a bigger venue so we can all be in the same room so be on the lookout for the details on that i will probably make some kind of flyer and tweet it out and put it put it everywhere so it's it's going to be one way or another i believe the thunder will make a trade that night uh, I would be surprised if they walked away with all six rookies that night. So I think that there will be trades. I think that there will be action. And one way or another, I think Sam Presti will end up with his guy. And then also like we have the possibility of Sam, and I talked about this on Monday, I just think that if you if you don't, like they didn't get the pick they wanted, and so now you use your draft capital to try to get the pick that you want or try to get the player that you want. I mean, that's, to me, the whole reason, the whole purpose of having the most draft capital in the history of the league is to get what you want. And to me, now is the time to get what you want. Like, don't wait. Don't just sit on them. Like we've seen, and we've talked about it, like Danny Ainge just sat on his picks. And a lot of them did not end up being as good as we thought. And to me, like, don't don't sit on all of them. Let's get what you want now, so that you can develop this team alongside Shea. That would be that would be what I would want. And that's where uh, that's where I'm having trouble with the depth of this draft. Because again, going back to Gavoni's mock, like, if a scenario somewhat equivalent to this is available to you, yeah, I almost wouldn't hate the idea of just taking th- those three guys or equivalent guys. And developing yeah. them because it does feel like the talent is there in this mm-hmm. draft. Yeah, it is. And perhaps you could trade six and two future firsts and yeah. take on Kevin Love and get three and you can take Evan Mobley or you can take Jalen Suggs. You know, that's 
then if you, if you ended up with Suggs and the two guys we talked about at 16 and 18, they're like, you're feeling really good. Oh yeah. After draft night. Uh, so yeah, it'd be incredible. Do, can I, there's a lot, there's a lot of options here. Yeah. Can I read some of the scuttlebutt? Oh yeah. Give me some scuttle. Give me some quick. Scuttle. So this I is gotta, from, uh, I got to hop to a meeting here in a second. Jonathan Wasserman at the, uh, at Bleacher Report. Most scouts have Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs behind Cunningham, Green, and Mobley. One told me he had Suggs in a separate lower tier, even behind Jonathan Kuminga. It'll be interesting to see what the Toronto Raptors do at number four. Given Kyle Lowry's free agency, Kuminga's perceived upside and the likability factor with Scotty Barnes, who some also believe could crack the top five. Just interesting. I, I, and as a as like the resident Jalen Suggs guy here, I'm floored. I'm absolutely floored by that. I don't, I don't get it. To me, he's to me he's one of the guys I would say will not fail in this draft. Like I absolutely love Jalen Suggs. And then this one will make you feel good. Tennessee's Keon Johnson had everyone talking about his max vert, but it's starting to sound like eight is the highest he goes. One scout talked about how Johnson has all this athleticism and energy, but doesn't quite know how to optimize it. So it do- yeah, doesn't it's, seem like- it's eight is insanity to me. Like yeah. If he's going if he goes in the lottery 11 or 14. That's why the Ringer needs to update their mock. They have Keon at 6 and they have Booknight at 21, which if you've been seeing any of the Booknight stuff, like there's no way he's It's the most whack one out there right now. It is. Like it's in, it's insanity. 6 for Keon Johnson. I I said I would throw up it was Shangoon. I might not cover the Thunder anymore if they took him. Wow. Like it would be I would be so angry. If that happened, it would be Terrence Ferguson level booze in in the draft house if that happened. Uh, Baylor's Davion Mitchell isn't who everyone thinks he is, said a scout who believes the 6'1 guard's defensive upside is overhyped. The scout still expects Mitchell to go in the lottery, but it's worth noting that not everyone has bought in. Another scout I spoke to has Mitchell in the late lottery range. That's what Ooh. that's what I feel is going to happen. I, I just do not yep. buy this Golden State at seven. And then um, let's see yeah. if there's any other guys that are relevant to us. I mean, a scout agreed on a taller Ricky Rubio as a solid comparison for Josh Giddy. He also yeah. believed to go in the lottery with too strong of a field passing IQ for his shortcomings as a scorer. So, you know, these nothing, nothing that spicy, but these are our first little pieces of scuttlebutt. Yeah, get ready. It's going to be, to me, the this this upcoming draft – Free agency trade season, I think, could be one of the crazier ones that we've had in a while. Just because one, this draft is like very impactful, and I think there's a lot of moving pieces within it. Uh, so I think it's going to be very, very exciting. Uh, all right, thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. You can read Sam Vecini's mock draft there. You can check out all of the great stuff. There's going to be some cool stuff dropping soon on The Athletic. So you're not going to want to miss out. Hope you guys have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Hey. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.